0: to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher.
1: I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we're looking back, not just at this year, but at the last six years. Have games gotten worse? Did the bubble burst on great board games and we didn't even notice? Or are there just as many good games today as there ever were?
2: But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games... eh, grays lake illinois found at thegiftedgames.com and a huge thank you to all our other patrons as well so fletcher as you were reading the intro i noticed that you were actually staring at the screen and you say the same thing at the beginning of every single episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um,
0: i uh sometimes i'm on autopilot as you know um and i'm not like really looking at like the words that i'm reading sometimes i'm looking at like other stuff uh, and you know this because sometimes i read the wrong uh you know intro for our rpg episodes
2: yeah and sometimes I glance over i'm like oh that's not the words that are written yeah and sometimes you read reddit but you know it's all good it's it's totally fine so <laughs> <laughs> um for those the reminder of hey you can join us on Zoom every Monday night, 8.30 central time for live recording and, you know, all the pre-show shenanigans. There wasn't a lot of pre-show neg- shenanigans this week because we started earlier than usual. But there were enough pre-show shenanigans that for those where we're here, it was entertaining, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so we'll just let that go. Uh, also, let's see. I think that's the main thing and that bought me enough time to re-log into Google because Google decided to lock me out right at the moment I was going over that.
1: Oh, uh, normally that happens to me.
2: Yeah, I logged me out just a second ago as well. Uh, good times. So I'm going to start. We have a lot of like uh, pre-topic stuff to talk about. First of all, Merry Christmas, everybody who celebrates Christmas. And that's coming up in five days as you're hearing this, I think, for most people. Yeah. Um, And yeah. Four. And else? Four days. Four. Today's Four a 20th. days. Four days.
1: Twenty yeah, record, twenty first, this is going out.
2: I should probably get to shopping. Um <laughs> <laughs> or or at least a three D printing, which I'll cover that in a second too. But uh yeah, we're <laughs> So we're going to be off next week. There may be a little Sydney's mini dream gift. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had all these parts for you to assemble. <laughs> this is awesome. Here's a ring. Uh, it's made of resin. It might be cured enough. I don't know. If your finger starts to ache, don't wear it anymore. Um, it's it's But it's romantic because there's a heart. That's how 3D printing works. I'm not gonna well I actually I did 3D print a single gift. If I talked about that last week with the puzzle box that I'm gonna shove cash in the middle. So and probably give her a sledgehammer with that too. But that's not <laughs> for Sydney. That's for my niece. She'll appreciate the cast and the puzzle, maybe. Um but yeah, so we're off next week. Like I said, I might have a little mini episode in the feed, but if we do, it'll just be me spewing something for five well ten to fifteen minutes. Um It just depends on whether or not I can do enough research on the topic to do a little solo, like just doing something. Maybe I don't even want to say what I'm I'm thinking of doing because I just don't want to commit to it. But I've already said that I might do something. I don't know. But the main point of it is if you're here next Monday at 830 and on Zoom and you're all by yourself. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just letting you know we're not going to be here. But feel free to hang out with each other. So if you guys all want to join, you can certainly still talk to each other. And that's that's totally acceptable. I'll get a bunch of emails. So have you guys seen Spider-Man yet? I haven't.
1: I haven't even seen the last (sighs) Spider-Man.
2: So I took this week off of work. And the first thing I did today at 11 a.m., I went to a matinee and I figured I'd be the only one in the theater because it's a Monday 11 a.m. matinee.
1: Absolutely the, not. <laughs> there were actually
2: quite a few people at this movie. Because
1: like, high schoolers are all out of school this week.
2: I was I was thoroughly impressed. Um, but so Spider-Man No Way Home, I think, is the the subtitle of it. Holy cow, that movie was so much better than I thought it was, that I thought it was going to be. I think I figured it'd be fine. I like the Spider-Man movies, but it's so good. And all I'm going to say is, if you've watched the first reboot with Tobey Maguire and the second reboot, and then this one, this movie is just a love letter to everyone who's a committed Spider-Man fan, and then more. Like, I literally cried, like, three different points in this movie. And it and I was I was You cry
1: at Bluey episodes
2: <laughs> I know, but Bluey is very emotionally heart string tugging. It's so good. <sighs> anyway, yeah, Spider Man. Watch it. It's 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 really, really I really liked it. And it sets up um the next Doctor Strange movie, which I really like Doctor Strange as well. So I'm super excited about that too. Anyway, do that. Um it's definitely better than the Eternals, but the Eternals is not as bad as the critics say it is, so we'll leave it at that. 3D printing update. And this is a reason to be on our live chat because I'm going to show something on the screen. I subscribed. Subscribed? Yeah, I think I subscribed. It's a subscription thing. To um, Loot Studios. It's like $15 a month and you get all these different uh, files that you can print on your 3D thing. And on your 3D thing. And <laughs> one of them was a, like, they call it a like a prop dagger. And it is... I got to say about 18 inches long. It's huge. It printed in five different parts and I still need to glue it together, but I'm kind of showing it on screen right now. But it's, it's yeah, it's about 18 inches long, pretty intricate. It actually worked, turned out like really, really well. Printed on the first try on my Elegoo Mars printer. And man, I will never do this again. This is a one-time assemble giant. No, it's just, it's it's more or less for like cosplay. Like just to have like a... Ah. Like a a life-size dagger. It's like,
0: hey, did you ever want all that stuff at the ninja store in the mall? (laughs) 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 Now you can print it for nearly
2: free. (laughs) Now you can print it at home. Yeah, this it took about nine hours, which is a long time for a resin printer. So I had to print the blade in one uh, print, which took about four and a half hours. And then the hilt and the um, handle which are sort of the same thing, but not really. There's like this decorative thing above the handle and the handle itself. And that took about five, five and a half hours for that one. And then you have to... I had to sand it down and put it together. And I still need to like um, cement it together. But when it's done and sanded and painted, I'm going to be proud of this thing and never do it again, ever. But um yeah, so 3D printing, I'm still doing it. I still like it. I also printed a much bigger like articulating dragon that one's probably about a foot and a half long as well um that one had one minor flaw that i need to like hot glue together but it's it's gonna be cool i promise um quick update on the game giveaway everyone who emailed me should have gotten a response back from me saying yes i've confirmed this gate or this, this game, um, John just corrected with the blade, the guard and the hilt and the pummel. So I think the hilt and the pummel are the one piece. And then the guard is the other piece. And those two pieces go together. And then the blade is the three pieces anyway back to game giveaway um, yes if you emailed me gr- great if you did not get an email response from me email me again because it means I missed you and I don't know you exist um, but otherwise I've responded to you and said yes you got this or that or whatever uh, everyone so far has said don't worry about crazy Christmas shipping rates so those will <laughs> probably be shipped next week um, anything else in the pre-show how are you guys doing I didn't ask but you know I'm curious kitty I'm doing well I don't care about you, Fletcher. Kitty?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing all right. Um, Great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Going. Everything is going.
2: (laughs) All right, Fletcher. Now it's your turn. (laughs) Christopher asks, Kitty, are you tired? I don't even want to tell you anymore. (laughs) I don't want to. I still don't want to know. We're we're still talking to Kitty.
1: I was trying so hard not to say I'm tired, but I'm very tired. (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's, you know. My existence these um,
2: days. Christopher also asked whether or not my 3D print was resin or uh, PLA. It, it is resin. On PLA, this would t- have taken a very long time. And it would have looked like crap. Um, so, Fletcher, <laughs> what did you do this weekend? What did I do this weekend? Yeah, I heard so- it was something really cool. What? You don't remember?
0: N- no. <laughs> what are you okay. talking about?
2: All right. Well, we can move on then. Um, so... <laughs> oh, I, thought, I, thought, I was like, what are you talking about?
0: I'm going to California in a couple of days so I can for, update everybody. because you just don't believe fun.
2: in snow for Christmas, right?
0: <laughs> it's not a matter of belief. Um, no, uh, we're just going to California because that's where both Carmen's family is and my family. And um, Carmen's birthday is actually on the 23rd and we're going to do uh, Disneyland for her birthday.
1: That's nice.
2: Yeah. It's
0: nice. I think I talked about it before, but I I didn't know. And maybe people native to California know, but um, Disney swaps out all of their normal decorations for Christmas. I was just going to say. They have everything like holiday themed.
1: So jealous. I watched. There's um, a show on Disney Plus where you can watch them do it at Disney World, I believe, not Disneyland. But um, it is crazy. And they do it all in one night. And it is just bonkers but yeah i want to see that yeah watch the show it's really fun it's hosted by a bunch of celebrities who don't need to be there because all the really cool stuff is done by the disney employees
2: so that that makes sense i have never been i've only been to disney world once and that was epcot center so it doesn't count and
1: i mean debatable epcot is really fun and i I haven't been as an adult and i hear it's great as an adult because epcot is where you can drink
2: Yes, Yes. Epcot Epcot is fine, but it's not like what you would think of for Disneyland or Disney World.
1: Um, I remember it as a child very well because my parents would put us there was like um, a Mexican cultural ride you could go through that we found amusing enough. And they would just put us on this ride over and over again while they sat and drank margaritas. So (laughs) it is one of my most vivid memories of (laughs) Disney World as a child.
2: Well, I'm looking forward to bringing the kids to Disney World as soon as they're old enough to know, which will probably be maybe not next summer, but the following. In the following yeah. summer, Zachary will be old enough where he'll actually have memories of it. And Becca will be old enough where she won't have to be in a stroller the entire time.
1: Uh, we can discuss when the best time to go to Disney World is.
2: Oh, All I'm day. not saying I'm not saying <laughs> it won't be the only time. Uh, maybe okay. that's <laughs> but it'll be the first time we go. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so actually, speaking of topics that we could talk about all day that really have nothing to do with board games, we were actually originally going to have this topic for this week be Reindeer Games, and that was just going to be the title of the episode. And we've discovered that there's really not a lot of Reindeer Games out there. So
1: I mean, the whole point of Reindeer Games was like the subtitle of that show was going to be, What Even Are They?, yeah. And that could be a whole hour of discussion as what is a reindeer game. <laughs> what is, Nobody although, knows. <laughs> no. Now
0: when it you guys all right.
2: what you mean by reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys know Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, obviously. Um did you guys you ever. Know, it's just explain. like a white-tailed
1: deer because <laughs> no one apparently knows what a reindeer actually looks like. Actual
2: reindeer. Santa's reindeer. Mm-hmm. And Rudolph has a red nose. And in that, they talk about, you know, wouldn't let... They wouldn't let poor Rudolph play in any reindeer games. So, now, in my little area of the world, we always used to follow that with, like, Monopoly. Is that just me, or is that, like, a universal thing?
1: It's a somewhat universal thing. Okay.
2: yeah, Or at least an American At least
1: a Midwest least I don't know.
2: No, Fletcher, you grew up in Texas, yeah. yeah all right i was just texas curious because I didn't... like
1: southern midwest
2: what was rudolph famous as or do you go down in history did you Just called
0: texas southern midwest <laughs> yes <laughs> it
1: i
2: is... did well it is southern. <laughs> i was waiting I for someone to call me
1: out on it but it went quiet so <laughs> um like columbus all
2: right Steve says he was grew up in connecticut and he heard it there too um uh, so, all right. So the last part, though, where, uh, you'll go down in history. What was the tagline there? So John says, like, well,
1: like Columbus is what we always said. Fletcher, I answered did, the question.
2: <laughs> Fletcher, did you, what was yours? You'll go down in history. Uh, I don't think we had one. Interesting. John says, George Washington. I always, um, heard it as like the astronauts. So at least that, that one seems to be a little bit more varied than the, the reindeer game. So apparently reindeer games are Monopoly and hmm. now kitty you have also the
1: 2000 film starring ben affleck
2: oh that is that is also a television that is a film that is a film yes it is actually not a terrible one either i I sort of like that one you Um, like
1: bad things though i do like like bad things we have firmly established
2: (laughs) i love bad things all right but kitty you found something on reddit And I think (laughs) (laughs) before we talk about the last six years of games, I think we need to talk about I'm just I'm handing it over to you. This is yours.
1: So uh, I saw on the subreddit today. I learned that there is a Victorian game called Snapdragon um, in which you pour a shallow dish of brandy and then you fill it with raisins and then you light it on fire. And you try to pick the raisins out still on fire and extinguish them with your mouth. And the goal of the game, the winner is the person who doesn't get burned while doing this. Sometimes this- there is a, a golden raisin or some sort of raisin with some sort of mark on it. And if you get that, then you are the winner. But usually the winner is just the person who doesn't set themselves on fire.
2: Which in the Victorian age, and this should be noted that this was played up in tone relatively recently in history but even that you know they used to put open candles on their dry christmas trees so it makes sense that their goal was not to get lit on fire although they weren't very good at it i don't think <laughs> they did a terrible job of-
1: <laughs> i also really really enjoy this um illustration that's on this wikipedia article so uh we'll get this in the show notes right chris i will, you I should will- drop this link in the chat now so I will everyone get this. can see this dragon. All right, so
2: yes, I'm going to put this he in the chat. He looks upset. Also, nothing goes he, better than he's with that. He does not uh, look
1: okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm also going to put the link in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, you should go to the show notes. And you'll see a Drinking link games There's- and fire just make a great combination in general. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm, yes.
2: Well, I mean, that's what Christmas games are. Basically avoiding fiery death, um, apparently. Yeah, Santa... Has come a long way throughout history. I'll say that for sure. But um, I like our I like our current Santa. He's the best Santa. Tamalyn, right? Malen, I think so. we need to
1: bring back Krampus. <laughs> so
2: uh, That's because you're all...
1: Children should be afraid. Oh, speaking of children should be afraid, I terrified my <laughs> child. Uh, well, I didn't. My mom did. But I was present when my mom let my kid watch Bumblebee because she's like, oh, he likes Transformers. This is fine. Um, and then they blow a person up and he lost it he did not enjoy that at all all of the new transformers movies are all rated pg-13 and they thoroughly deserve that rating (laughs) and i don't understand because they're for children why did we do this michael bay
2: actually that you answered the question within the question
1: it was more of a rant michael bay is
2: not going to make a g-rated movie Gratuitous. (laughs)
1: Gratuitous. <laughs> G for gratuitous name, Michael that, gratuitous thing. He, he's like, it
2: was G. <laughs> G for gratuitous. <laughs> that's fair. Uh yeah. It's tricky to know what they're gonna like latch on to as well. Because, you know, at two and three, it, they can they process so much more than you think they do, but they also ignore a lot of stuff that you not really sure that they're going to ignore. So you're never really sure what's going to traumatize your children. Um, you're just going to be certain that something that you do is going to traumatize them. And that's just how life is going to be. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so speaking of traumatization, uh, which is a word I just created <laughs> and absolutely the worst segue from traumatizing transformer <laughs> movies into actual game topics. We got an email and Kitty, I'm going to have you say this name because I think I know what it is, but I'm the one that's been murdering names lately, so I want you to murder the next one.
1: So I'm going to say this was an email from Faustus Salvador.
2: All right. Do you want to am- read am it? Am I
1: reading the email now?
2: You're going to read it. Yeah.
1: Oh, I have to pick up the iPad. I am not <laughs> in my setup. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So... um, I've been playing tabletop games pretty much my whole life. Yes, even the original, cheapo version of Car Wars somewhere in my storage. There is a part of me, though, that feels like board games really entered a second golden age with the rise of the co-op, specifically Pandemic. And since then, there have been some truly transcendent games. Blood Rage, Scythe, Star Wars Rebellion. Arkham Horror, the LCG, Viticulture, Zombicide Black Plague, Root, Gloomhaven. The list goes on, but then something happened in 2018 or 19. I'm not sure what it was, but suddenly the games have seemed less interesting or innovative, just variations of what had come before. I'm looking at you, Runes of Arnak, Ankh, and The New Descent. I enjoy the new hotness as much as anyone else, but I haven't bought as many new games this year as I used to. Anyway, I was wondering what the trio of you thought about this apparent end of the second golden age. Did it happen? Is there another one coming? When? If?
2: I figured this was a great topic to have at the end of a year. Mm Because in one way, I... Sorry, Faustus. Completely disagree with the premise of this. (laughs) On the other side, the data completely disagrees with me. So, we're going to discuss. Now... Before we get into the data in general, what are your guys's feelings been in the last three or four years of gaming and which is basically the duration of our podcast the The premise here is the first two years of our podcast games were awesome. The last three years games have just started getting the repeats over and over and over and over and over and same thing nothing nothing new or exciting
0: um I would say I don't know if I necessarily agree with that there's nothing. New or exciting, but I'm more of a casual gamer. So I don't know. I don't I don't really follow the new hotness that much. So I might be five years late
2: on a board game and be like, this is great. So I have a, <laughs> I have a huge back catalog to explore. Yeah. Sorry, Fletcher, you're wrong. If a game came out five years ago, it can't be great. Period. End of story. <laughs> um that's non negotiable. That's not even like an opinion. That's just, you know, fact.
1: Um, so my take on this is that newer games haven't had a chance to kind of build the following the older games have. You know, like there are still people out there who are just getting into the hobby, who are discovering, you know, Settlers of Catan or Carcassonne or some of these really classic pandemic even, you know, there there are people who are just picking those games up for the first time, and when they look into them, there are like thousands, tens of thousands of reviews of people who love and who care about these games. There are versions of them. There is so much out there on these games. And something that just came out last year, even if it was well-received by the hobby, there's no way it is going to have the same information, hype, (laughs) love for it out there. It takes time to build up that kind of reputation.
2: I would agree. Um, so, and I'm going to do opinion first, and then we're going to take a look at the actual data that I pulled from BGG and some of the games over the years. So my number one is there were too many games starting to be published right around 2018, 2019. It got to a point where, you know, people are talking about the board game bubble. Was there a bubble? I don't think so. But there was a correction, but I don't think the correction was because of too many games or anything like that. It was the pandemic. A mm-hmm. pandemic happened. The last two years have destroyed the ability for new games to make any significant traction. So you Faustus, you, you mentioned that, you know, the last few years you've been less interested in buying new games. I will echo that sentiment. In the last, I would say, 10 months, I have bought a fraction of what I bought in the same time two years ago. And mostly it's because... I'm not going to conventions. There's not as much hype. There's not as many games coming out because they can't get to me because of worldwide shipping issues um, or shutdowns in manufacturing. There's so many reasons why it's hard to get your hands on the new hotness that they can't stay the new hotness for long because if you don't get it right away, you're not going to get it for months later. You're not going to get it ever. Exactly. (laughs) And and the data definitely shows that when I look at it. But – In general, I don't think that we are at the end of the golden age or the second golden age of video or video games of board games. Um, in fact, I don't think the golden age of board games started in 2008 with pandemic. I think it started in 1995 with Catan. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just a slower rise. Pandemic created a sub, I don't want to say bubble, but a sub age inside of the age of co-op games, but it took probably a good five years before another, like, before co-op games really started having their own personality versus just kind of mimicking what Pandemic does. A game I'm playing right now, um, Role player Adventures, one of the best games I've played in the past five years came out, you know, a couple months ago. It is a co-op game unlike any other adventure co-op game that I've played before. I love it for so many different reasons. So I think there's are a lot of good games still coming out, but not at the same number, especially in the last two years, as we were before then. But let's just take a look at 2016. Actually, that's so that's my opinion on there. Um, do you guys have anything to add to that before we start looking at these years? And we're going to walk through each year and kind of look at the top 100 as rated by Board Game Geek, because there's nothing, no other good data to subjectively evaluate <laughs> this quantitatively.
1: Um, so I think Peter in the chat here made a really good point where he says that, um, you know, the way that we evaluate games has changed um, because of your collection. So if you think of you as a gamer you know you've built up a collection and now we're looking for games that fill gaps we're looking for games that are unlike something we already have so you know the earlier you are in collecting games and you know the the earlier we as a hobby are the more chance there is to have something that feels really innovative and like fills a spot that you never had filled before whereas you know, the more games you have, the less likely something is to feel awesome and new because like, oh, it's like this other game. But to somebody with fresh eyes, it may seem just as amazing and cool as, you know, another game. So like yeah. does a- and maybe we're just waiting for, you know, a new wave of innovation to come. There's so much opportunity out there. It's just we're in kind of a global funk on that newness. Yeah.
2: And I think that's spot on and goes to Fletcher's point too, where Fletcher doesn't notice this because he doesn't have a huge collection of games. If I Fletcher, if I introduced you to Lost Runes of Arnak, you'd be like, oh my God, this game's amazing. And then I could say, yes, but it really just builds off of this game, this game, and this game. And really when it comes right down to it, it's just amazing. And you have all <laughs> and you have all those games as <laughs> yes. well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if I have all those games and I see all those incremental steps, when I get this new game, which is you know, potentially better than every game that came before it, it doesn't feel like a huge leap. It just feels like a a minor increment. And if I like the changes they made, great, I'm going to like this game. And if I don't, I'm going to say, eh, it still feels a lot like Dune Imperium. So whatever, right? Actually, Dune Imperium is a bad example because that also came out this year and is one of the best games (laughs) ever made, period. But, you know, pick your your deck builder. Um, Ankh is kind of the same thing, right? A lot of people compare it with Kemet. And if you've played Kemet and you play Ankh and you're like, okay, but I like Kemet better. I've never played Kemet. I like Ankh for some reasons, and I think it's an actual trash game for a lot of other reasons. Um <laughs> sorry, Eric Lang, it's a bad game. And I was actually was gonna do a, a YouTube review on Ankh, but I'm like, there's nothing positive I can say about this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly summarize it here. The first time I played it, I loved it. Second time I played it, I loved it. Third time I played it, I hated it. Sydney's experience. First time she played it, she hated it. Second time she played it, she hated it. Third time she played it, she loved it. We played this game together three times in a row, and you can only like this game if you're winning. Otherwise, it's just unfun <laughs> the entire time. And I'm like, that is gonna, not a I good game. I was just going to say, like, did, you,
0: did you lose the third time and did she win the third time?
2: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened. This game is not fun unless you're winning, is is basically what it comes down to. Um and yeah, there's, but anyway, that's onk. And then the new descent, I don't know what to say about that. Is like, if you love putting together cardboard scenery, you'll, and playing essentially an app versus a board game, you'll like descent, but you'll, the entire time you're playing it, you're going to be like, why didn't they just all put it in the app? Because now it's just fiddly and really everything's in the app anyway. Um, I am not against app assisted board games. But sometimes the app is so much the board game where you're like, you could have taken one more step and not had to print any cardboard. (laughs) But at the same time, some people love it. Um, Other people don't. (sighs) So, yeah. But the, the bigger your board game collection is, the bigger you see that games are just building on top of each other. So let's take a look at 2016. A golden age. Of video or why do i keep saying video games of board games um the, just the top five board games i'm gonna say six six seven eight, all of these games are amazing we're only looking at the top 100 but the number one game of 2016 and you guys do not see the screen that i'm seeing i should probably just share the screen with you because i know you guys don't have these links so i'm gonna actually do that so if you are actually in our chat you're gonna see what i'm seeing um But if you're not in our chat and you're just listening to us, you don't need to see it because we're just going to talk to it anyway. So the number one game of 2016 was Terraforming Mars. You got to say, it's a pretty good year, right? It's still the fourth ranked game of all time for on Board Game Geek. But then you have Star Wars Rebellion, an amazing game, like just so good. Great Western Trail. One of my favorite games of all times, Scythe. Scythe is number fourteen of all time. The A Feast for Odin. I don't understand why A Feast for Odin is still number twenty-one. It's so hard to get to the table, but once you get it to the table, so good. Twenty-four is Arkham Horror, the card game. Forty-one is Mansions of Madness, and then it goes on. So we have, I'm, I think we have uh, twelve different games of 2016 that are in the top 100. These games These are all are, really good games.
0: Like you didn't, you didn't keep going, but there's like mechs versus Minions, and then Clank like it was a pretty it's, gangbuster
2: year this this game this year was amazing like santorini came out in this year and it's, it's like santorini is one of the best like two-payer abstract thematic abstracts that you which is and I, I understand in contradiction in terms but still it's true and it's at 190 but it's still an amazing game like there's so santorini- much oh this- uh,
0: yeah Secret Hitler, yep. that got a lot of press. Sushi yep. Go Party.
2: Sushi Go Party, one of your favorites. Dominion Second Edition came out that year. It's ranked 209, but like so 2016 was such a good year for games. It was just it was a so big year for games. Yeah. So it's and it's really hard to kind of like like so many good things came out that year. It's like, well, where do we do go from here? Yeah. So uh what did I do? I just went to Amazon um i don't want the game i want all right all right now so then so 2017 what are we gonna do we gotta top this number one gloomhaven came out in 2017 all right well that that definitely topped the chart twilight imperium fourth edition fantastic game um gaia project honestly gaia project is is really good i do not believe it deserves the number seven spot of all time but that's again my opinion but that also came out in 2017 spirit island too many bones pandemic legacy season two uh seventh continent azul came out in 2017 Mm -hmm. and you know the list goes on there's just so many things Codenames duet so now you can play two players century golem edition which is really just a playoff of century but i think golem edition is still better just theme alone uh so many good games came out this year. Fantasy Realms, which was nominated for the Spill the Jars this year, actually came out in 2017. It just came out in German this year, so that's when it get got nominated. So 2017 was also a fantastic year. There were 11 games in the top 100 from 2017. So where do we go? So 2018, 2019, this is when presumably we're starting to take a turn for, wait a minute, games are not getting so good. So... Uh, the highest rated game is the number three spot for 2018, and that's Brass Birmingham, which is a reworking to, again, to basically say, yes, this is a reworking of a game that already existed. This is just Brass, but now better for two players. Nemesis, though, completely new. Um, Root, completely new. And also mentioned as, like, innovative. Uh Everdell. Like, this game still shines and is still creating new content for it. Um, Underwater Cities is, again, for those who are wondering where these games are coming from, I'm just reading out of the top 100 the games that fall within these years. Um, Underwater Cities is kind of a terraforming Mars-like game, but you're underwater. The Quacks of Quindlinburg, which I've still yet to play because... The game, the name is just ridiculous, and I will probably never play it unless someone says, No, 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 Chris, ignore the the name. You got to play this. And I'm like, "Uh, Okay, fine, whatever. Um, Teotihuacan, I think that's how you say that. Architects of the West Kingdom, Rising Sun, and Decrypto. Um, I love Decrypto, by the way. Decrypto is so good. I'm actually pretty happy that Decrypto is the number one, number 100 game of all time. So, Fletcher, you have not, you're like the least involved in the hotness how many of these games have you heard of before just now
0: um i mean i've heard of a decent number of these Uh, i've only ever played root and that's on
2: the ipad and that's on the ipad such a good version if you have an ipad and you don't have root you're doing it wrong (laughs) (laughs) so kitty what do you think of this year is this year this year is notably not as exciting as 2016 I will absolutely agree with that. So are we going downhill here?
1: I don't like any of these games, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure I liked that many of the other ones. There were more games that I really liked, but um, you know, percentage-wise, not super far off, I guess. And if you All scroll right. down a little bit, there, there yeah, are a Yeah, I'm going to scroll out of
2: the top 100, because there's a few games here that, Welcome to, one of the, mm-hmm. the very, very popular, Flippin' Right?, um ganshan clever also known as that's Mm -hmm. pretty clever very very popular just one fantastic party game um let's see here uh western legends i just recently got that i loved it uh vindication was is a fantastic adventure euro game like how do you even do that it's awesome lords of hellas is like i've never seen anything like it before it's like area control but monument building but army fi- like there's just so many interesting things in that game um let's see uh there's a few things that like were remade but gizmos gizmos came out in 2018 this is again one of my favorite games of all times love this game uh another pandemic every year there's a new pandemic but uh <laughs> sprawlopolis came out in 2018 18 cards one of the best eighteen card games I've ever had the knowledge of knowing existed, and Railroad Inc. came out in twenty eighteen. Love Railroad Inc. Also, Keyforge came out in twenty eighteen. So I was
1: going to say Keyforge and Betrayal Legacy are the ones that I remember from twenty eighteen. Yep. I'm down in like the five hundreds of things that I enjoy.
2: Well, and that's the thing when you look at just like the top one hundred, it really filters out a lot of things that happened that year. And Mm -hmm. these games might not be the ones that are the most talked about. But if these are the games you found, you love these games. Like These games are uh, like amazing. But again, we're only in 2018. So let's go ahead. Oh, Disney Villainous came out in 2018. I'm still scrolling down. I'm only going to do one screen worth, though. Um, The Mind came out in 2018. (laughs) Now it's ranked appropriately 687 overall. But still, The Mind was a very... Either innovative game or dumb idea that people bought into, depending on your perspective. But <laughs> this
1: is a year I really remember, though being at a lot of conventions, being out there exploring games, picking stuff up. I remember, um, I think it was game Con that year. We picked up both Betrayal Legacy and um, our first Keyforge decks there at game Con. They were doing stuff, so yep. You know, it's just it's a year that sticks out in my memory but I don't know if it's because the games were that good or just because I was out there having fun collecting new games.
2: Well, and I think that's sort of the point though, right? At this time, we were still out there looking at new stuff and all content creators were able (laughs) to like see all the new hotness and see all the new stuff out there. So then we go to 2019, the last year before the end times. First game on this list, Wingspan. So 2019 was still a pretty good year as far as like sales. Wingspan, I think, is now officially sold over a million copies or something crazy like that. It's definitely over 500,000, but it's, it's crazy. Um, Clank Legacy, which is amazing. So good. You could say it's an iteration on Clank and Pandemic Legacy, but it's its own thing. Uh, Marvel Champions the card game. I still am trying to get into this game, but I don't need to be the one that gets into it because there's so many people that are into this. Um, I'm Marikob- Marikobo, which is sort of an iteration on Great Western Trail, but I like Great Western Trails better still. Uh, The Crew, like mm-hmm. a cooperative trick taking game. What? Love that. And it's that. fun. So good. Uh, now we're just starting to get into games so that I like this is number 43 barrage. Never played it. PAX Premier, never played it. Um, Paladins of the West Kingdom, I should play these games. I just haven't played any of the West Kingdom games. Uh, Tainted Grail, The Lord of the Rings Journey in Middle Earth, Isle of Cats, Cartographers, great game. Parks, I haven't played it, a but I've owned that it forever.
1: I have owned. I kickstarted in 2019, but didn't actually play until this year because I had too many games, <laughs> but it's fun. It's a good game.
2: Res Arcana, a fantasy version of Race for the Galaxy, sort of, but not really at all. And then the best game that has ever been made. Rated about twenty six by everyone else, but they're all wrong. Well, 125 other games are wrong. Uh, Cthulhu, Death May Die. Love this game. So good. Love, 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 love. So scrolling down a little bit more, Horrified came out this year. Star Wars Out Rim, which is finally getting an expansion. That's I'm excited for that. Uh, but otherwise I will say not many of these are jumping out of the Tapestry. Me at this point. That
1: one seemed to kind of fall flat.
2: It, it tapestry. A lot of the Stonemaier stuff, like it has a lot of pre hype, and if you like Stonemeyer games, you'll own it. But not all of them are scythe. Not all of them are Wingspan. But every once in a while they are, so you want to get them as soon as you can anyway. Um yeah, but the rest of these are like eh, okay. They're alright. I
1: remember hype for uh, Wavelength too after the Mind.
2: Yeah, but that one fell flat. Like I would say, yeah. if, like, Wavelength is how would you even but describe I, it?
1: I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Hard to explain and <laughs> not fun enough to get over the hard to explainness of it.
2: Yeah, it's a party game where you're trying to be like, <laughs> you're hot or cold, right? So yeah, all right. I'm going to say... But I don't think you
1: can discount this year. It's got like some really good games up at the top there.
2: Yeah. 2019 was a great game for games. A great year for games. Now, was there... I think this
1: has been some of my favorite games so far. My favorite games here.
2: So, so far, 2016 had 12 in the top 100. 17 had 11 in the top 100. 18 had 10 in the top 100. 19 had 11 in the top 100. Mm -hmm. Now, let's look... 2020. The longest year in human history. (laughs) (laughs) The number one game which should be stricken from the list and if I was managing Board Game Geek would have stricken it from the list um, is Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Yes, it's its own thing. Yes, it deserves its own representation. Yes, I, I, I get it. It's still Gloomhaven. It's just Gloomhaven mini- and really what it should have been. But Gloomhaven occupies the number one and number six slots in the top 100. So I'm going to just discount that right away. Like, yeah, I get it. However, the next one on this list is Dune Imperium, followed by Lost Runes of Arnak. These two games have been compared with each other, followed by Eclipse, Second Dawn for the Galaxy. I've only played Dune Imperium and Eclipse, Second Dawn of the Galaxy of the Three. I have Lost Runes of Arnak that's sitting literally behind me that we're trying to get to the table. But... Dune Imperium and Eclipse, two of my favorite games of all times. Period. These games are amazing. And Lost Ruins of Arnek, I expect to really love that one too because everyone everyone's comparing like Dune Imperium and Lost Ruins is relatively kind of similar but different themes. And I love the theme. Well, I like the Lost Ruins of Arnek theme better than Dune. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm excited for this stuff. Other things that came out this year though, uh, on Mars which is a really heavy year old game. Pandemic Legacy Season Zero, which I'm actually surprised that fell in the top 100 just because now it's the third one in the series. And by the time you get to the third sequel, you're like, okay, are we done with this yet? Um, Kanban V, another Viscounts of the West Kingdom. Calico.
1: Another at, favorite of mine.
2: I haven't played it, but you apparently like it. Should be um,
1: higher rated. Uh, it's, I think it's
2: Climbing. And we'll get to why I it's think it's not-
1: slowly climbing,
2: yeah, we'll get to why these games aren't highly rated in a minute, but um beyond the sun, this is a I think it's tech track the game is a nice way to think of it micro macro crime city this won the spiel of jars this year, I believe uh oh. dwellings of Eldervale, oh the Mary. are
1: performing badly. I'm sorry if you can hear my husband yelling,
2: um, uh, Spencer's at angry at football. <laughs> <laughs> My City, Forgotten Waters, Um, I'm trying to find things that I know of. Marvel United, oh, so good. I don't know why it's rated 424, but that's because there's so many good games out there. But this came out in 2020, and it is fantastic. But I will say that 2020 wasn't a great year. In the top 100, six.
1: Why? What could have happened in 2020?
2: (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I can't imagine why.
1: But I'm just (laughs) just saying,
2: it's like, eh, if only 2020 were better. Now, let's take a look at 2021. Because 2020 was the longest year ever. 2021 was the shortest, most miserable year ever. Stepping out of the gaming verse for just a moment, we thought the pandemic was over. And then it came back. And then we thought it was over. Then it came back. Then we thought it was over. And now it's back. Seriously, 2021, what are you doing to us? And and why? Because I don't like it. I don't like any part of it. There are zero games on the top 100 from 2021, which is not uncommon for the newest year to just not have enough votes to push things into the top 100. But the most, the highest rated game is 229. And that's Sleeping God's. And Cascadia, 241 is the next one. And then the crew mission Deep Sea is the next one. And then Ankh is the next one. I I should probably stop saying the next one. Um, And then Terraforming Mars (laughs) Ares Expedition, which I actually think this should be way higher rated. This is a better game than Terraforming Mars, in my opinion. Um, But I really like it's just so fast to play. It gives you the same feeling. It fixes all the problems with Terraforming Mars as far as like game length and all that stuff. Um, But I love it. Um, for those looking at my screen, I have it. It's rated a ten on mine. Oath, uh, destinies, canvas, like all of these games are really, really good games. They're just really low on the list because they haven't had enough time to rise up. Hadrian's um, Wall, the most crunchy flipping right I've ever played. I. Love this game. Furnace, it's it's all the rage right now. You can't, you know, jump on YouTube and say board games without seeing a for- Furnace review. Imperium, uh, which is all over the place. Red Rising, eh, mixed reviews. But I, like, that's another... Again, I mean, that was... Not
1: just, you know, it's the newest year, but it's the newest year where people still aren't really going to conventions. They're not going and browsing local game stores as much. You know, people aren't going out and picking up games the same way they are. I know that the only reason that I have some of these games is because I backed them on Kickstarter, you know, probably like a year ago at this point, you know, like Cascadia and Canvas, I think, are the only ones here that I own. And both of those I backed like, you know, last January on Kickstarter. So, yeah, yeah. No wonder they're the only ones that have gotten enough votes to get, you know, anywhere near the top 100 because they're the only ones that people who really care about gaming and are following Kickstarter are picking up at the time.
2: I a hundred percent agree without the hype of the 2020 convention season, 2021 had no chance. Yeah. Like it really didn't. And even 2020 having six games in the top 100 was impressive because when you're looking at board game geek, the people who rate these games are the, like the hardcore, you know, okay. they're the ones that are going to the conventions. They're the ones that take time to go to a website and say, this is what I liked or didn't like about it. And when you have a collection of games that exceeds a hundred or even 50, you, the, where you're learning about your new games is the hype, the people that are talking about these things, whether it be on your favorite media channels, your favorite podcasts, whatever the case, we haven't talked about a convention. In a very long time, like we we haven't talked about like all the the new stuff we saw or the designers we talked to. I haven't interviewed anyone for Kickstarter in a very long time. Now, Kickstarter is doing great because people are living vicariously through Kickstarter instead of conventions. (laughs) But even then, it takes you a year for that to hit the table. And once that much time has gone by, if you don't have some kind of convention to really kind of keep that in the forefront of people's, you know, collective consciousness it's not going to do fantastic and i think that is what we're feeling right now i don't know that the bubble has popped i think we have had a correction and that's different if we're talking stock market terms when you see a bubble pop you see a huge plummet when you see a correction you see a small plummet and then a little bit of a bounce back and it starts to normalize itself i think that is where we're at and it was forced upon us because of the pandemic some companies didn't survive, and others, you know, well, Asmodee just consolidated everything, and they've just recently been sold again for like three billion dollars. So I think board games are doing all right right now. But yeah, I I don't I don't know. I don't disagree that the last few years have felt like there hasn't been a, a, as many amazing breakout hits. But I also haven't been starving. For stuff to play. And it's kind of refreshing to not have to worry about like the 40 games that I must play this year.
1: (laughs) It's hard for me to to distinguish because, you know, right around this same time, we also stopped doing um, DTN. And since we weren't doing that, I wasn't paying attention to every single new release, every single Kickstarter that's coming out. I'm not doing hours of research every week into what is the new thing coming out. So, so these two events coincide for me. So it's hard for me to tell like what is industry wide and what is just my personal interest level.
2: Yeah. Fletcher, what do you think? How do we get you more into this gaming hobby? (laughs) Seriously, you're kind of a slacker.
0: Um, as I said many times before, it's a space issue.
1: (laughs) I'm gonna start um, sending you links to the small box games that I back.
0: <laughs> yeah, you like you like games that are like this. This game comes with a it is like the size of a pack of gum.
1: <laughs> I do literally have a game. I have two games now the size of a pack of gum because I was standing there at Kohl's doing an Amazon return and I saw all the pack of gum games. I was like, well, I need the set collection one too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I don't know. I. I I mean, I'm already into the hobby, right? Like, I'm I'm on a podcast with you guys. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think part of the thing is, like, getting back to the number of, you know, top 100 games. I think, like you were saying before, this year, 2021, really had no chance. Because the games take a long time to develop. And if you were, you know, it takes, like, one to two years or even more... And if you're on the verge of like maybe publishing into 2021, you might just like hold off and be like, I can't go to any conventions. I'll just, you know, sit with this game in my back pocket. Plus, shipping is a mess. Prices are, you know, going insane. This is a bad time to like publish and release a game. Maybe I'll just sit a year and wait till everything settles out.
2: Yeah, I think that's really the bottom line, right? Is this just a bad time for everything? 2020 wasn't horrible for the board game industry in general. Sales were fine. But a lot of those things were 2019 games that were being bought. And 2020 games, you know, if they made it out, great. But they didn't make it out into the same hype that others did because they just didn't have, you know, that the support that comes with having conventions that you can go to. And a lot of publishers right now are experimenting with, hey, can we get away with not going to these super expensive conventions? You know, Asmodee hasn't been to a convention in two years. Are they feeling the hurt? Probably not. They're selling games. Like, if they did, they would be sending people to these conventions. So does that mean that their games aren't going to be as high-ranked? Maybe. Does that affect their bottom line? Who knows? When a company is that size, it's hard to tell what affects them and what doesn't. Are they really there for the gamer anymore? Or are they just there to make money? Um, I think... Anyone who publishes a game, any game publisher, I'm going to say that that way, has to be in it for the money. Uh, But being in it for the gamer is actually how you make the money. So we'll see what happens with Asmoday. A lot of the stuff they've done with Fantasy Flight is not exactly been thrilling for me. Uh, This is probably a good time to mention that January, we're only having negative topics, and one of them is what publishers (laughs) do wrong. So we'll follow up more on that in January. But yeah, we're starting off 2022 with just pessimism. All pessimism, all month long. So we'll talk more about that then. However, I do think games are going to be great again. I do think games, like what's happening in the last couple of years is a blip. And I think that we are not going to not see good games again or not see innovation or anything like that no not all good games have been like done right there are still ideas out there
0: yeah i don't think i, I think the past two years have just been kind of weird and um you know we'll, we will see like a nice uptick going forward
2: once everything kind of gets sorted out i i mean i hope so um but yeah i i definitely think that I, it always amazes me when, whenever you hear everything that's been invented, ha, or everything has already been invented, there are no such thing as new ideas. You know, there's innovation is just you know copying and moving on. I like it's all combining
0: d- ideas that are already in the zeitgeist in new ways. You can always yeah. like trace it back
2: to like something else, and you can, and and that's true. You absolutely can trace things back. But there are also huge leaps that happen. And they often happen in clusters. You know, like the collectible trading card game, it happened in such a way that there were a lot of things that happened in the mid-90s that kind of brought everything around. And we'll see it again. We've seen it many times. You know, the co-op revolution, you know, call it whatever it is. I don't know what the next big game is or next big mechanic is. If I did... I would do it and I'd make a zillion dollars. Um, that's not true. I would make several thousand dollars because this is gaming and you really can't make more than that. But yeah, so the bubble has not popped. The world has just gotten crazy and the world will get less crazy and there'll be a lot of cool games to play in the future. But if your collection is already full of 100 to 400 games, there will be a lot less games that you will want to take part in because you've already done that. You've already played that. And you're only looking for the exceptions. And exceptions are few and far between no matter what year you're looking at. Final thoughts. Fletcher.
0: Uh, I think I just kind of went over it. But I think, <laughs> you know, games took a downturn. But through, for all the reasons that we discussed, I think, you know, we're still in, the, I don't know, the golden era of gaming. All right.
2: Kitty, will games get good again?
1: I mean, I don't think they ever got bad. I think the games that I like, all 500 people that like them with me have been there the whole time. That's my niche. Me Me and my my 250 to 1,000 people-backed games on Kickstarter are still happy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah. (laughs) Really, just take this opportunity to play the games you already have. If you have a lot of games out there, just play some of them. Like, re reconnect with some of those games. That's what I've been trying to do. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like this game. I don't need another one like it until someone tells me I do. And then I'll get back into it again. All right. On that note, we will talk about miniatures post-credits. But let's get to post-credits first. So, Kitty, all you. <laughs>
1: Hold on, sorry. Did we acknowledge that I ceased to exist for a minute, or no? We did, completely we, we ignored that. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I um, my computer just died, so I had to hop in on my iPad, which is where I was using my show notes. So now I've got a. <sighs> 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 Forgot I have to do Your things. Computer I'm very died. Flustered. Was it not plugged in? No, it is plugged in. I don't know if the plug is loose or something on the other side. Maybe, I don't know.
2: So I was trying to make it completely seamless so nobody would even know you left, but that's okay.
1: (laughs) Tabletop Game is a proud member of the Dice Tower (laughs) Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You'll figure out this kind of stuff. (laughs) You can find the link for that in our show notes, too. Comments or questions, email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the support us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too.
0: Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons: Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gifted Games, Sahara Wedworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayesh, John Williams, David Rank, Sir Celly, Matthew Droke, Timothy Paul Raymer, Romer (sorry, Paul Romer), Nicholas Lots, Weatherman Keith, Joe Punman, Leanne Verholst, Stephen Judd, Christopher Letgo, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Janikowski. Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, Terrence Milner, David Radke, Brian Arnold, David Wagoner, Courtney Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan Seed, Darren McClellan, David Garner, Tony Simpkins, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric Salander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Willard, Jerry Wong, and Sean P. Kelly.
2: And thank you to everyone who's been a patron for the last five and a half years. Uh, Your support means the world to us. Until next year, keep playing games and having fun. So I'm assuming that you guys have not heard about the Cephalofare next Kickstarter. Cephalofare being the company that published Gloomhaven. They are I doing mean, a Kickstarter.
1: The chat spoiled it, I think. <laughs> yes. They're doing
2: a Kickstarter on. the. So Gloomhaven by default only has uh, miniatures for the characters. Well, now they're going to do a Kickstarter, and we don't know a lot of details about this, but they're doing a Kickstarter on the miniatures of Gloomhaven. What are your thoughts on this? This is just a Kickstarter of miniatures as far as we know. I, I would expect a few pieces of game content just to get everybody, but um yeah what are your thoughts do we need is it miniatures for like everything i think it's like 300 miniatures for to replace the standees for gloomhaven wow like does the world need more miniatures
0: i mean i don't think so but then again i don't buy them so
2: i just think gloomhaven is fiddly enough to have to sort through 300 miniatures the standees are just fine And and then you have, all right, so the standees are colorful representations of these monsters. And you're going to replace everything with gray plastic? Yeah, no, 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 this is not, this is not okay. This is not okay.
0: But this. So the box is going to be like twice as big as the current box now, just to like
2: house all the miniatures. The amount of like vacuum foam plastic. All right, so we're going to end 2021 with a prediction. The Gloomhaven miniatures Kickstarter campaign, Fletcher. How much money do you think this campaign is going to make?
0: I have no idea. Is it currently launched?
2: Nope. It's what did ballpark. Gloomhaven make? Um, the last Gloomhaven Kickstarter, I think, was in the three million range, but um, the Frosthaven was like eight and a half somewhere in the range, or no, twelve. I think it was twelve million.
0: I'm gonna say two million. Okay, Kitty.
1: One dollar, Bob.
2: <laughs> and $1. No, this, we're not playing prices right rules. Uh, so just for reference,
1: Can't stop me. <laughs> Frost
2: made thirteen million dollars. So Fletcher, you're at two million for miniatures. Yeah, Kitty, you're at you're at one dollar. You think it's gonna be less than two I'm million? With $1.
0: Chris, are are you gonna are you gonna go all in on this?
2: <sighs> no, I'm, I am not. Not even a penny. Because if I'm you are, it.
0: I might raise my target a little bit.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not spending a penny on this. I believe. That the Gloomhaven slash Frosthaven miniatures will ex- it'll be higher than thirteen million? Really? Yep. No, I am. I am predicting I, higher than thirteen. If it makes million. more
1: than five million, I'll be shocked.
2: All right, all right. I'll go in over under fill like five million. No problem. Hundred percent. If it makes less than five million, I will buy you any game on the market.
0: Cool. Uh, I would like a full billiards table please.
1: Done. <laughs> <laughs>